Welcome back, friends. Thanks for being here with us again. As always, this is Amy. And this is Z. And you're listening to Curse Words and Crayons Presents True Crime. This episode is kicking off October, so we could not be happier as October is our true time to shine. So Z, tell me what's new. What's going on? We should actually be finished with our ofrenda by the time this episode comes out. So it's our second year. Do you know what an ofrenda is? I do know what an ofrenda is. And this is going to sound so white person because I've seen the movie Coco. Um, If you haven't and you don't have kids and haven't watched Coco a million times, tell everybody what's an ofrenda. Okay, so I want to start off by saying that I am American and it is my husband who celebrates the Day of the Dead. He is a Mexican-American. He moved here from Mexico City when he was eight years old. And we have been together for some time, I think like eight years, nine years, less than 10. So we have been together for less than 10 years. And this is only my second year to put up a full ofrenda. So I'm not like the leading expert. This is my knowledge and my thoughts and my feelings about it. An ofrenda is something that, again, this is traditionally from um, Mexico, and it is to celebrate the Day of the Dead. And the Day of the Dead is the day after Halloween. So it's the first. And then there's the ones for um, like dead children, and then ones for your dead, not ancestors, but your dead ancestors. Those who have passed before it was their time, I think is the first and the other one's the second, or vice versa. Excuse me again, this is my second year. Roberta will catch me all the way up again. We'll discuss it um, as we put our final touches on the ofrenda. It is to celebrate those in your family who have gone before you. So you set up an offering to them, and it is as a comfort when they come back because the veil is thin between the dead and the living on this day of the year, and they are able to travel back and see their family members get a glimpse at the past, and this is your way to set out an offering to them to let them know that you love them, that you're thinking of them. It is a way to honor those who have gone before you, to um, give more respect to those who have died. So you'll see a lot of marigold flowers. So it's a lot of red, a lot of orange, a lot of yellow flowers. You also set out things that the person loved and you set out pictures. So anybody who's passed, you set out a picture of them. So we do this for my family members, for Roberto's family members. We also set out things that they love. So the night of Halloween, when we come back from trick-or-treating or whatever, I will set up a Coke. I will have cigarettes and a lighter, but different kinds of cigarettes because two of his grandmothers, they smoke different different kinds. So you've, you got to treat each grandma different. They both deserve their own, right? And they get their own lighter. And then one like tea and one like coffee. And then my aunt really liked this one particular gum. So I put that gum out for her and specific candies out for her. Um, you'll also see a bunch of sugar skulls that go out as well that are painted with things that they enjoy. 
so yeah, it's just, it's a way to honor your family members that have gone before you. And it is a tradition that my husband grew up with and I really enjoy it. And since we do have a three-year-old, it is very important to me to pass on these Mexican traditions to her as well. Absolutely. I think that's so interesting. So the ofrenda stays up for how long? So I start, okay, so we... I used to work in retail for a thousand and one years. So for me, Halloween, and that includes the Day of the Dead stuff, starts going mm-hmm. up the day after Roberto's birthday. So September 18th, because his birthday is the 17th. So September 18th, all my Halloween decorations come out and I decorate. And okay. that includes starting with the ofrenda. But technically, you don't finish or I don't finish until the night of because that is when like I don't want the cigarettes and the lighters out for my kid to like be able to go oh what's this and I you know I catch her over she smoked 18 packs of Marlboros that's not what I'm here for right so I'll put those out on the night of the teas and the cakes and the candies because also Mm -hmm. like lots of I'm not a baker but lots of people will bake things and put that out for their ancestors as well so Mm -hmm. for me that means that I don't put those out until the night of because I don't want to get ants but that is sure. also because my ofrenda is inside my house you will also see that they do it at the different crypts and the, mm. the grave mm-hmm. sites as well so they'll go and leave stuff it just kind of I I'm not a hundred percent sure on why you would do that versus having it at your own home but maybe that's you would because want them to come visit you. Yeah. I mean, that makes I, sense to me. But, but, but if they're in that space, they'll be able to visit you regardless. In my personal, like in my beliefs, like, sure. if, if, yeah, if they're in the space, they're, you know, they're close enough to, to visit because the veil is thin, but maybe that's their family's tradition. And I'll have to ask Roberto, actually, that's a good question that I can ask this year because yeah, I, I grew up here in Texas and I didn't have a lot of knowledge of these things. And again, uh, now being the mother of a Mexican American, it is, it is even more important to me to sure. learn more about these traditions. So um, before it was important because it was important to my husband, but now it's important because it's important to my entire family and my culture. Not only is it like fun, oh, it's this is a fun thing to do, but what an, an important tradition to be passing on. My oldest daughter loves learning about like other cultures. You should do one. We sh- I was just thinking that we should totally do and I think she would be really into it. Last year, we did some pieces of Hanukkah. We're oh, Christian, okay. so we have never celebrated Hanukkah before, but she had learned about it at school. And so we took some of those traditions and as respectfully as possible, because I don't want to ever, you know, disrespect somebody else's culture or beliefs or any of that. We talked a lot about what that means. And, you know, we celebrated and we did the, you know, the the menorah and the whole, you know, we, we talked about it for eight nights. We did all the things. And so maybe we'll, maybe we'll kind of introduce a, a small ofrenda this year. I think that's really neat and a cool thing to learn about other 
cultures and other things because I mean as is important we don't have a lot myself or my husband's family don't have a lot of like this is our tradition our cultural tradition Mm -hmm. or things that we do all the time I didn't Uh, either so this was to me so cool and you know what Amy we actually made it last year and we're doing the same thing again this year we made it into like a craft thing so your children are slightly older so they could cut out and make their own flowers Mm-hmm. to go on the ofrenda. Last year, and again this year we made a new one, I had Aurora paint on different colors of construction paper and then I cut said construction paper out and we made it into a Mexican banner. I don't know oh, the okay. actual name of it. Uh, yeah. But yeah, for the ofrenda as well. So you could you could make it super interactive and I mm-hmm. I just think it's a great way to talk about family members with your kids and what yeah. lessons that they might have instilled upon you that in other day-to-day conversations you wouldn't be able to have. I love that you're doing that and maybe maybe we'll sh- we'll sh- I'll consult with you on <laughs> if this is something that we're doing in the most respectful way that we can. That's really cool. I'd love that for you guys. So we are gearing up for a couple things around here. On the 1st, um, October 1st is my son's birthday. And oh, he's going to be he's five. a Libra. Yes. Okay. Love it. So love we're it. super excited about that. And number two, I am totally just the Halloween person. So I'm so excited that like, when October rolls around, I'm like into it. I'm ready. I was, it made my heart just slightly happy to hear you say that right after Roberta's birthday, you set up for Halloween because I cannot wait. I usually force myself to wait until the end of September to decorate. And I almost always fail because I don't do well with waiting, number one. And number two, it's just so fun. And it's, it's not about the Halloween decorating so much for me as it is like fall decorating. I love it. We do all the pumpkin patch stuff. You know, we do all of those things. We're really into that. So um, I'm sure that by the time this airs, I will have not waited and I will be in full force kid appropriate (laughs) around here. So I'm super excited about that. Before we kind of dive into this case, and I mean, this is obviously the homework episode, so it'll be kind of, you know, the usual length, but this is a heavy, long case. We were just talking, like, be prepared for this to maybe be a several parter, which brings my heart some happiness because I love that there's so much to talk about in this case, but I also hate that there's so much to talk about in this case. But during our homework episodes, we always talk about a product or something that we're loving right now or something that we want to recommend to you guys. At this point in our podcasting game, we are not sponsored. So these are not things where we're usually making any money off of, but um, are just things that we like you guys and you're our friends and we want you to know all the cool things that we're doing. Fall to us, or at least fall to me, means all of the like hot drinks, all of the coffee, all of the basic things. Um, And I found a new coffee company that I really, really love. Uh, I found it on Instagram and it's called Bones Coffee. So not only is their coffee super delicious, it's also really pretty to look at. So like the artwork on the front of the bag of coffee is really kind of like spooky, but also like neat and cartoony. And they have really creative names. They have a ton of really great flavors. Right now, obviously, they have all of their fall flavors out, but they have a, they have seasonal flavors. So like at Christmas time, they'll have other different flavors. So they have super creative names. They're perfect for the days you don't 
want to go out and get coffee. I feel like I can always find an excuse to go through the drive through and get coffee somewhere, but it's nice to have like something that's also kind of a treat at home. I was looking at their website before we started recording today and I noticed, which I didn't notice before the last time I ordered, they have like sample packs. So you can get Ooh. a bunch of different flavors, but you're not committing to like an entire bag. So if you're like, I don't know how I'm going to feel about you know, pumpkin spice coffee or whatever. It's just a small amount, so it doesn't feel as as wasteful and bad. So um, I will throw a link up in our link tree. I don't have a promo code or anything for them. If I do happen to get one, I will obviously throw that in there as well. But um, check them out if you're into coffee and it's, you know, getting for us. Now I know for you, I feel like I'm always like, it's getting colder. And you're like, no, it's not because I'm in Texas. Like where I live. still technically getting colder. It is no longer 99 degrees outside at 10 in the morning, Amy, which is technically colder. And my outfits just so happen to look just as fall as yours. I might be sweating a little profusely. might be a little hot during that time, but... I'm still uh, wearing them, my fucking flannel, so I can look like Tim the Toolman Taylor instead of like, I don't know, insert said hot chick wearing flannel here. But I'm still, I'm doing it. I'm out there. Do I'm doing the things. Do it. The big boots, the whole thing. I'm in Columbus, Ohio. And so we have, we definitely have four seasons and our winter season is usually longer than anything else, which makes me just want to cry all day. But we are still in fall. We are still enjoying the crisp weather. And that is coffee to me. So Bones Coffee, check them out. If you do check them out, let me know what you think. And if you have a favorite flavor. I know we said this is a lot. Let's dive into this case. Z, tell us a little bit about who we are talking about this week. We are talking about the Candyman Killer. Dean Coral was a 33-year-old Houston electrician. Fun fact. I am also turning 33 this month in October when this airs at least. So (laughs) Dean Coral, I know you needed to know that that was, uh, let's just get back to it. Okay. Dean Coral was a 33 year old Houston electrician to most people. He was unassuming, but I'm not sure that's how I would describe him. His mother owned a candy store and he spent a lot of time hanging out there, giving out free candy to children. If that doesn't spell stranger danger, I don't know what will. The candy man would go on to commit one of the most horrific murder series of all time. So that's a brief synopsis. I want to start off and say, yeah, I tried to come into these cases not knowing a lot about them. I picked this one because I am a Houstonian, as you know, if you're here at this point. But I thought, and you can laugh at me, you can call me stupid, just don't let me hear you say it, or I might have to, you can catch these hands. But I straight up thought that this was a case. Also, this might be because a friend suggested this to me to do. A couple friends, actually, for Halloween, for a Halloween episode. So thank you, and you're welcome. I I thought because it was suggested for Halloween that this was a man who handed out poisoned candy to children. Which would make sense because when you told me about it, and maybe it's because we were kind of referencing like Halloween. And to me, Halloween, trick or treat, and you say Candyman, well, what happens on Halloween? Trick or treat, which is candy. I thought the same, but then I was reading, I've not gone like full blown into this case yet. What I was reading, holy, 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 holy shit. Like it's a lot. 
be ready if you haven't heard this case. I almost want to tell you don't don't do research if you're listening to this unless you're really into it, but don't because it's so much and we are going to dive all the way into this and to the point where it's probably going to be several episodes. Not like one and a half episodes like Not the bad. way yeah, the way that we're looking at it, it's going this is your homework episode and it looks like you may have three full length episodes of the Candyman killer ahead of you for this. Right. Lap. So if you're saying, but Amy and Z, I don't have time to go into all of that. Don't you worry, friend. We will go into all of that and we will cover all of the everything because this is not just like, oh, this is one thing that happened. Like, dude went all out. It's a lot. But if you are wanting to research, we will definitely have things for you to take a look at beforehand. But full on, as in most cases, trigger of all trigger warnings. This is a big one. I feel like I just don't even want to say that for our podcast going forward. It's they're all trigger warnings, right? <laughs> right. Like we're, it's true crime. So I, I appreciate renaming the podcast trigger warning. So you heard it here first. <laughs> exactly. But no, the, this is a huge case. The Candyman killer at the time was the worst case of serial murder in terms of the number of victims in the United States. It exceeded 25 murders, which it exceeded the 25 murders, which was attributed to Juan Corona, who had been arrested in California in 1971. And again, he killed 25 men. And the yeah, he was the biggest single murderer out there until 1978 when he was surpassed by John Wayne Gacy which look that's not enough time for that for that record to be topped no 71 we got a new record this guy the candy man he was was it 70 73 I think is uh when it all went down for him and then Gacy takes the cake in 1978 like what the fuck these people need to be doing some LSD and like smoking some marijuana and just taking a break or you know jokes aside these people needed some mental health um some therapy some some assistance with their mental health issues for real honestly real. Yeah, it's just, it's a lot. And to me, it always, so number one, I have a question for you. Now this is in Houston and you're a Houstonian. So right. had I know you said you had not like, until you still really researched, like this is not something you hear a lot about in Houston. I mean, other H- Houstonians are the ones who had recommended it to me. Gotcha. So, okay. maybe, so maybe, yeah, maybe I just had lived in ignorance I also come from a town outside of Houston called Spring, Texas. Okay. And it is in the suburbia area, but my husband and a lot of the people that I have met through my husband and through my adult life, because I have traveled further in into like the actual Houston area. Now, again, we live in suburbia outside of it, but regardless, yeah. So a lot of the people that I know in life now lived closer to this area and are also older than I am because 
this is the 70s. Also, I think that a lot of there were so many serial killers that were found in the 70s. And this one's a huge one. But I feel like they kind of get like not glossed over, but glossed over. Well, if they're happening so close together, it's almost like, well, that just happened or that was something that we've which one are you talking about? And my family's super conservative, so it's not like my mom would have been, like, sitting at the dinner table, Carl, (laughs) remember that serial murderer in Houston Heights? Oh, like, that's not, it's not something we would have discussed, you know, we we would, how's your day? Good. Okay, eat your peas. Thank you. Good night. (laughs) You know, that sounds awesome. (laughs) It was really emotionally connecting. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, I grew up near Akron, Ohio, and Jeffrey Dahmer was from that area. He was, I think, actually from Canton. But, like, I feel like that was something that was not, like, constantly talked about, but it was, like, our claim to fame. Like, this is, like, this thing. And, like, they would always talk. Maybe it's just, like, the weird people that I, like, grew up around. I don't know. But I feel like that was something I heard about a lot was Jeffrey Dahmer and, like, where he lived and this is his thing. And so, I, I don't know. I'm just I curious. also think it might have been and might be because Houston is such a large city uh, and traditionally sure. has been so ladled with crime that it wasn't. Like, it's a big fucking deal, but maybe it it isn't as big of a deal as um, Dee Dee Blanchard's case over in Springfield. And Springfield's I big, to... too, though, so I don't know, but you get what I'm saying there. Like, yeah. Houston, Houston is, it is a large-ass city. Like, sure. I, I live in the Houston area, and I live an hour and, not an hour, but I live an hour away from downtown Houston. Right. Oh, wow. Wow. Uh And my parents live in the Houston area. We're still considered the metropolitan area and they live 30 minutes in the other direction. So we live like an hour and a half away from each other and we are still considered in the Houston metropolitan area. So like maybe we just maybe for me at the time and place that I grew up in, it just wasn't as big of a conversation topic. I think that makes way more sense because... Yeah, that to me is like a totally, so like I grew up in like the Akron area, I actually grew up in Cuyahoga Falls. And so if you know what Cuyahoga Falls is, shout out because nobody does. And I live in Columbus now and that's like, I'm two hours outside of Cuyahoga Falls. And they're, I mean like completely, that's not even considered the same anything. We're all in the same area still Mm -hmm. because I mean, Texas, it's, it's hours and hours before we get anywhere. So right. it's a big state. It's as big as Texas. <laughs> it is literally <laughs> as big as Texas. <laughs> Did you know? You heard it here, guys. Texas is as big as Texas. So don't even try to don't even try to question us. We know what we're talking about. The case is super heavy. It's a super lot of things, but we are going to unwrap it all and we're going to try to do it delicately and nicely, as nicely as you can. Talk about, you know, 28 murders. So, And I even have two books to recommend. If you have a scribed membership, they are free. 
um, using your monthly account. I will add those to the show notes, but the one Great. that I'm currently reading is The Man with the Candy by Jack Olson. And then there is another one called Dean Coral, The True Story of the Houston Mass Murderers by Jack Rosewood. I haven't read that one or even started that one yet so no promises on how good or not good it may be but again right now I'm reading The Man with the Candy by Jack Olson and then as always we will have several articles and different things for you to take a look at but like I said this case is going to be a big one so if you want to just hit us back up for our first full length episode we promise there will be more than just the one so as always check out the show notes see what you want to look at prior if you don't want to look at anything come on back on sunday and we will lay it all out for you if you have not subscribed to our patreon and you want more additional information about our cases full-length unedited podcast episodes funny little dumb things that we do um subscribe to that it helps us to keep our information coming and our research and down the road we will be adding more additional cool and fun things for you guys to do but you have to be a member so um you can join for as low as a dollar and then i think our highest tier is seven super reasonable when it comes to a monthly investment we have a discord group for you guys set up for our three dollar and up tier um which is really fun we're excited to chat with you guys over there if you haven't used discord before it is in a very easy to use app and that will give you a direct link to talk to both amy and i about any of the cases that we've covered and to talk to like-minded individuals and i have also because i i kind of try to do my best taking care of the Patreon. We both have our like duties that we fill. That's one of my particular duties. I also try to put up sneaks into our newer episodes that the Patreons get before anybody else. And that's any Patreon amount, $1 and up. And then um, we also have episode notes. So I give you the timelines that I painstakingly take hours honestly to put together for each of the episodes i have been posting those on patreon as well for those who are subscribing so we're doing our best to make that a great resource for you guys yes so if you're super into all of this stuff like we are it is a really great place um z is like our historian librarian all of the research you know the the main bulk of it comes from her tireless hands to have access to those things if you're looking for those like if you're into it it's like it's great so that in itself is is worth your worth your dollar <laughs> don't sell yourself short you do literally anything and everything that can contribute to the technology so like all of the editing and stuff is straight up you because i'm a grandma and i barely know how to um turn my laptop on on a good day so you know it's we're the we're the yin to each other's yang it's really perfect this is just such a perfect symbiotic relationship it's great yeah so come back uh do your research don't do your research come back for the 
for the party. Uh, when we talk about our full length episode, everybody have a great rest of your week and we will talk to you then. Goodbye. Bye.